ladies and gentlemen. This is In Your Head with Shannon Staniford. I am your host, Lord Shannon Staniford. This week's episode, I bring in family. No, not the adopted family that I've come to know and love. Actual family. She is blood. She is she's one of my sisters. And she wanted to come on the show. And she wanted to tell her story. And my sister Cassie. I have all... Uh, well, you know, like I've always said this show was for anyone and everyone. And for the show to be exactly as advertised my sister wanted to come on and i will always welcome anyone to come on so that's what we did uh it took a little bit to get there um uh between scheduling conflicts and getting in uh trying to get an interview in and recording an interview but getting but then getting a call that my son had uh, was in the hospital, ended up getting tested for corona. Um, we some we ended up using my time in quarantine to get this interview in. Uh, this was this week or this ep episode was recorded several weeks ago. Um, but you know, like, well, I had you know, because I had time, I had time on my hands during that time. So, but yeah. Uh, Ha listening to family talk about the stuff that, that they've gone through, um, it's hard. And I, I'm assuming that it's probably hard for, it was probably hard for uh, my sister Cassie to talk about uh, these things, but uh, this show has always been about opening up and being your true self and talking about the things that like you've gone through. So, and that's what she did. So, I guess uh, let's not waste any more time, but let's get into my sister's head right now. Okay, hey, that worked. Okay. All right, so we're going to try this for the fourth time. On the phone with me is my sister Cassie. Cassie, how are you, dear? I'm okay. Alive. Functioning. More than I was earlier. Well, as we keep going with these takes, then I'm sure the more and more you keep, more and more you'll uh, wake up. Right? We, we can only hope. <laughs> right? So, um... Uh... It's, oh god, I don't even, like, this is like the fourth time we've done this, so, uh, without sounding repetitive, um, your childhood was a little bit off, in yeah. the sense that we didn't know anything about each other until about ten years ago. So, yeah. um, what was childhood like for you? Up it from basically birth till my freshman year in high school, it was it 
lower class family where you went paycheck to paycheck to live. It was okay. Okay. So what was um what was life like with your with your parents? With my parents. Let's see. From the time that I can remember till now, my mom and my dad they were your typical parents. Mom was more of the strict one, dad was an alcoholic. And you never knew which version of him you were going to get. You always had to be on your toes. What was that like for you? I mean, was that stressful? That was stressful. Like, I was always the quiet kid because I didn't want to open up to people because I didn't want them to know what was really going on in life for me or what I thought. And even today, like, I struggle with that. Like, I don't like to tell people my thoughts half the time. And if, because if they really knew what I thought, they might turn and run the other direction. No, I feel that. So... With uh, being not being able to really talk about the stuff that was going on in your in, in your private life, like behind closed doors with with, with your alcoholic dad, um, when did you find out that he wasn't actually your dad? I was fifteen, sixteen. In there, and that was, like, when I found that out, that was, like, the icing on the cake for that year. Like, at 15 was a struggle. That was a struggle year for me. And so whenever I found out that my dad wasn't my biological dad, I just kind of started my downward spiral. That lasted until probably eighteen. What uh, when you when you found out who your dad was, what does that what does that do to you? Like, were you like super curious to see like what about him was like was like you or like were you was it like a whirlwind of uh, information to where it was, like, overloading? There was a little bit of everything. Like, I was angry. I was confused. I was curious. I was sad. I was, I was all over with those emotions. Like, it de really depended on, like, what day it was. Like, if there was other things other factors going on, I was fine. Other days, I was completely depressed. It was it was a whirlwind of emotion. What was the um, what was the uh, depression about? 
Like, what was the, the major cause for that? Life in general for most of that, because as I said earlier, it was 15 was a rough year. Like, it started out with my parents had escalated into their yelling at each other. My dad, who I thought was my dad, was way over the top with drinking, like, like drinking and driving, all of that stuff, where we were terrified that we were going to get a phone call saying, hey, he's crashed and he's gone, um, to having friends die from suicide or die from car crashes to my parents actually getting divorced and being separated and then yelling at each other, trying, my dad trying to get my mom back. It was just a crazy time where I just took everything in because it felt like nothing that I would say mattered at that time. And then you add on to the time, or on top of that, where you find out that you're the dad you thought you had isn't your dad so it's like like you're like asking yourself what else can be thrown at me no i get that it's kind of like you're uh just in that uh walking that that gauntlet where like everybody keeps throwing like everything that they can whether it's like negativity or just more and more information to where it's just overwhelming um at any point did you get like close to like losing losing it oh yeah all the time like but at that time like i didn't have a way to function like i i tried everything that i could to release some of my emotions like I tried journaling I tried talking to friends I even I tried going to church I tried at one point I even thought about starting to cut myself and then I was like none of this is helping like I still couldn't find an outlet to release any of it did you ever find one? Um, kind of, kind of, sort of. Normally, whenever I start to feel more of a depression-like thing, I listen to a lot of angry music and get and just cry. And if it's really bad, I talk to people like yourself. I get that a lot. No, I get that. Uh, I I think with uh, whenever you get a little overloaded at times, um, it's amazing. Like some people will go whatever route that they can to express it out. Um, the angry rock music. Um, I've really gotten into Gregorian monks chanting, so that's kind of like a weird stress relief. It's one of those very calming things, so really, as weird as that sounds, it it does actually help. It helps me anyway. So. Well, the last time I had to release any of my depression, anger, emotions, 
I have definitely found out that listening to angry rock music and walking on the treadmill is great therapy. It truly is. Not only is, like, the the angry music does kind of, like, get you all, like, amped up, and then you got the ex- physical exercise, so you got all those endorphins going on, so, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yes. That has been, lately, that has been my way of releasing it. Because as I got older, from, like, 18 into, like, my 20s and stuff, where I could legally drink and stuff like that, I tried drinking, which I found out I don't like to be drunk because I don't like the feeling of not being able to control what comes out of my mouth or what my body does or where I'm going. Well, I'm one of those that you have, I have to be in control of something and 90% of the time it's my own body. I mean, drinking does not help that. You should always be in control of that, but, I mean, I, myself, have never had control with the shit that comes out of my mouth, drunk or sober, so, you've been around me, you know. Yes. <laughs> so, um, okay, so, you find out that your dad is not your dad, you go through the whole, you've, you've gone through the whole divorce, um, alcoholic, I guess, step-parent, um, and then you, you have all this kind of depression and stuff like that. Um, was there, was there times whenever before, um, before, or I guess during that time, was there any time where, like, anxiety and depression just, like, just was severely just about to lead you into, like, the worst possible uh, decisions? Like, oh, yes. Were you making great decisions right around that time? Oh, I was making fantastic decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm between the ages of 15 and really 18 of ways. So I was making fantastic choices, mainly with guys. Uh, see now, this is the part of uh, um, of this job where I would really dwell into it, but uh, I'm your sister. You yeah, really yeah. See, know. yeah, this is the that point where it's it's offered because like the professional in me wants to like dwell into I, it because that's the part of the show. So, but you're my sister. I I appreciate that. Um, okay, so, we'll just, you know what, we'll just get into it, because there's, there's no, like, that's, that's the job, that's the whole thing, alright, you weren't making great decisions with guys, was, let's just call it was, what it is, it's my, it's a favorite phrase on this show, were you entering your hoe phase? I was, I was. We all have one. I'm just starting to date. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do in life and who I want to be. And then you add in all of the depression on all of that. 
oh my, it was like the beginning of what I call my emo phase. Like, I guarantee you other people would be like, no, that's not an emo phase. But I I was dyeing my hair. I had black nail polish. I was listening to music that my mother despised and still to this day despises when I bring it up. (laughs) I was dating boys that she did not want me to date, which even led me into dating this guy for a year and a half, which at that time I didn't realize that he was in somebody who was emotionally abusing me until the very end of our relationship when I was trying to end the relationship. Oh. Yeah, which also led to more depression, anxiety, hating hating being with anybody besides that person and then trying to figure out, okay, I don't need this person. I need to stand on my own two feet. And then when I did that, enter the next boyfriend, guy I was hooking up with, whatever you want to call it, because I don't even know what we were doing, but he somehow he gave me the confidence to be like, hey, I don't need this part of my life anymore. Like, I'm like, this isn't me, and bringing me back to a different side of me, which you would call the redneck crazy buckle bunny chick person you see everybody at rodeos and stuff. It was one of those. So it was a complete 180. I mean, yeah, okay, we all have kind of done that. I mean, I think at, at every point of our life, we are constantly searching for ourselves, especially in times of um, emotional and mental crisis. Um, so with all with you going through all of that let's all right so let's fast forward a little bit let's get to whenever you're was 17 18 you start and you're starting to get a little curious about the side of your life that you don't really know anything about and you're and we've had this conversation before where you where you were basically kind of just searching for that other part of your, I guess, genetics or your DNA. Um, yeah. So what made okay. you what made you decide to um, reach out? Oh, and well, uh, and do all that, that. He reached out. Oh. Our dad, our bi- my biological dad, who we share, he actually kind of reached out, which honestly was kind of weird. Like, he, he, we had small conversations, like, hi, I'm your dad, how are you today, kind of conversations, nothing that we went into who I had, who my siblings were or anything, um, but I was like, I really had, really got all of my information from my mom. Because she, at this point, was like, hey, all of your birthdays, he was there. Like, he was there in the background, like, parked in his truck, like, stalker kind of way. 
just keeping an eye on me. And but then he like really reached out and was like, "Hey, I'm your dad. These are your siblings." But then he like vanished. But uh, I later come to terms with the fact that whenever he actually pops up into my life, it's more to try and get with my mom. Because at that time, my mom was, what was she? She wasn't married, but she wasn't single either. She had a, I think she, no, no, she was married. She's stepdad number, well, I guess you can call him stepdad number two. But then I was like, okay, I need to find my siblings. I need to know who they are so I don't accidentally date them. Yeah, that is a very important thing whenever you don't know who your siblings are. Yeah, because I almost did that at 15 when they first told me, or right after they, or no, right before they told me, I almost dated my half brother. Yeah. Another brother, not 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 you. Obviously, um, <laughs> yeah, that's the, that that is like the worst part about um, not knowing if you have siblings out there is if that occasion arises because you you are never prepared for that conversation whenever you are talking to somebody and nothing and not really going any farther than talking. Um, and then all of a sudden, cause like we've had this conversation where your mom was like, no, nah. like your mom and his mom were like, no, no, can't date. That's uh, we're like, um, your why? siblings. And they're like, uh, because you're siblings. And we're like, hey, what? Rewind and slow down. Oh yeah. It is, um, absolutely. Earth shattering. Yep. You're like. Blown. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, like, awkward situations. it's, like, the most awkward thing that can ever be thrown at you. Like, you're not prepared for it. No, you were not prepared whatsoever for that kind of conversation. Like, for me, it was always one of those, um, it was, like, I had tr was so terrified of that situation, because, like, I knew growing up that I had siblings out there. Because like I knew what kind of dad or what kind of person my like our father is, uh, and you know growing up and him being like it it seemed like almost it seemed like every uh, every other weekend it was a different girl different house um, I'm sure it probably wasn't that way but like at the time like right now it just kind of like it all blurs together so yeah. like. Um, I remember your mom saying, oh, yeah, we've met, blah, blah, and, um, like, I guess this is going to be, she probably listened to this, and this is probably going to be a little heartbreaking for her, but, like, at, whenever she told me that, like, I literally, at that time, was like, no, I was like, we all, like, everyone just kind of blends together, and, like, I try to just, like, not think about that period, because, like, I was small, like, how, what the fuck was I supposed, like, how was I supposed to understand what was going on? I mean, I understand it now, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's terrifying whenever you're, like, a teenager and you're dating and you know, 
like, well, either you don't know that you have siblings out there and you accidentally, like, come across one, or, like, in your case, or, like, you know you have siblings out there and you're just terrified that you're gonna be one of those um, stereotypical, like, redneck inbreeding things on accident yeah. and you have no fucking idea. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and that's, I, I hate whenever everybody's like, so, when did you find out that you had more siblings? And then I have to go into the story of, I always start out, I'm like, okay, this has nothing to do with, like, Alabama or Arkansas or whatever kind of state. I'm like, don't go there. I'm like, I almost dated my brother. And then they automatically go there. Oh, yeah. It, uh, I'm like, no, I promise, we did nothing. We didn't even hold hands. We yeah. literally just were talking on the phone, getting to know each other. And then we get off the phone, and our moms are, like, standing there. They're, like, literally telling us to get off the phone. Like, they're ready to have the conversation with us. And you know it's a bad conversation when your mom and your grandmother are standing there telling you to get off the phone. Yeah, that's because a, they have something to tell you. Yeah, that's a horrible, it's a horrible conversation. Yes, but after all of that and figuring out, okay, I have more siblings. It took me a little bit to understand what was going on and the fact that I did have more siblings, and then it took me even a little longer to. Fuck up the courage to try and find them. Like my, all my mom was was giving me was vague information that I had two older brothers and three younger sisters from my dad plus brother that I already knew I had. Because after that, like after we found out that we were siblings, uh. My ha our other half-brother and I, we are, we're still close. Well, not, like, close-close, but we still, like, talk. And he knows that who his dad is, and he wants absolutely positively nothing to do with him, which I am in the same boat with him anymore. It, uh, it's funny how that works because, um, our brother, um, he, he has that feeling towards our father. And our father has that feelings towards our brother. So, what do you know? It just works out. It goes hand in hand. Yep. So, okay. So, you've finally gotten the courage. And you reach out. Uh, and I will say, like, we won't go really too far into that. But, um, like, it was... For me, like, getting that message. Because, like, my, my sister, um, Becky, had mentioned it to me while we were at children's mercy with uh with my son aiden um so like that was that was a whole lot of information to take in at a time where i had like i was at the hospital with my kid that was two weeks old so um but i do remember like it was one of those like i felt a little bit of relief to know and that's like and then i ended up sending you uh a message. I don't remember exactly what I said, but like I, I'd said something about wanting to keep in contact and meeting up at some point. Mm 
actually, it was Becky who I first got a message from, and she said, she's your sister, but we're 90% sure she's not my sister. <laughs> I, I still beg the for that she is, but we're not going into that. <laughs> um, because, yeah, that she, she talked to me. I guess she was like, trying to be a big sister like to you even though she's your little sister yes trying to trying to be protective yeah she I totally understand and love but it was kind of weird because i was like who are you <laughs> yeah i think she went into it more and i was like oh okay okay i've actually got to meet you people yep i rem yep i remember i remember the meeting i remember all of that uh I still have yet to go back to Denny's. It wasn't Denny's. I thought it was. No, it was Perkins. Was it? Yes. Okay, well then I've been to Perkins again. I haven't, I'm, well, apparently I haven't been to Denny's for reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, our first meeting was Perkins, and it was you, me, my, at the time he was my boyfriend, now my husband and are we allowed to say her name i've said it um okay. as long as it's in positive form i don't think she she'll get mad okay it was you, and you and barb and the kids yeah are we, to, are we saying yeah. the other daughter's name oh bells yeah like i've said okay. bells okay again i want to make sure yeah it was bella and aiden it's 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 one of those um as long as I'm not saying derogatory names or derogatory things towards people or um saying stuff and then using their name to where they can like sue me, yeah, we're fine. <laughs> okay. Again, making sure. I'm like I don't wanna get anybody in. Oh, don't worry about it. Plus there's this wonderful editing tool, so <laughs> True. Okay, but it, yeah, but we went to Perkins to meet up. And oh my gosh, you have no idea how terrified I was to meet you guys. Like, I was excited to meet Aiden because he's a baby, and babies are cute. He's still cute to this day. Yes, but, yes, yes, he is. But I was so terrified to meet you. Like, I almost had Dean her, or, yeah, my, Dean, my husband, whatever, turn truck her out to go back up because I was like, nope, can't do it. And he somehow convinced me to calm down and to get out of the truck. <laughs> well, you know, I get it. Like, we had Facebook conversations before this, but meeting in person is always different because people can say one thing and then be completely different in person. Like, I was terrified. No, I get it. Okay, so, now, we've met up, we've d done the, uh, the thing, so, and now let's fast forward a little bit. Actually, or go back, however. Um, what, you mentioned that you, your husband, so why don't you tell that wonderful love story. Oh my, okay. I had 
literally just ended my whole page. Mainly because I had gotten grounded. For sneaking out the window of our apartment. And our apartment was in the ground. Like the ground floor. Like the one that's in the floor. Or in the ground. Like So you, the window is like in my room and I had to crawl up it to get out. I had done this for two weeks with my best friend. And we get caught. And we come home because my mom's on the phone saying, literally, you have five minutes to get home. We're clear across town. We are walking as fast as we possibly can because we're it's like Three o'clock in the morning, and we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. We make it home, and my mom's sitting there, and she's told my best friend's mom to come get her because we're we're done hanging out for what feels like eternity at the age of eighteen, and uh, I'm grounded for like a month. The only place I can go is church and my mom's friend's house, who turns out to be my husband's sister. But those are the only places I can go. And, and for two weeks, I have nothing. Like, I have no privileges. After two weeks, I somehow convinced them let me have a few things back. But I still can't go anywhere. The only place I can go is my husband's sister's house. We, I go over there and she starts asking me a whole bunch of questions because she's, since I turned 18, she has been trying to figure out how to set us up, pretty much. And so we get over there, we're talking, and she shows me this picture of this guy. And I, being my typical 18-year-old self, have no filter, and I'm like, he's hot. And she's like, good, because that's the guy that I'm setting you up with. And yes, he's my brother. My jaw just dropped. I was like, I didn't know you had a brother. She's like, well, technically I have but this is the one I'm setting you up with because the other one's married. She's like, oh. Okay. <laughs> and that's how we, we start Facebook messaging each other because he lives in Nebraska, I live in Missouri. How else are we going to communicate without actually giving each other phone numbers? We hadn't gotten to that step yet. We hadn't she wasn't sure we were even going to like each other because he's what you would call, in my words, and probably her words, preppy country. Like, he's the one that he can dress up and look good and look like he's from the city, business, whatever. But then he can also go from that to hunting, fishing. Going, getting completely covered in mud, all of that. And then you've got me, who's an 18-year-old girl who is 
still slightly trying to figure herself out with hair dye. I had my eyebrow pierced. I had had it. I had gotten a tattoo. I was more of the rock country, I guess you could say. I liked hard rock music, but I liked country music and dress kind of country. It was, it was an interesting combination. <laughs> Again, I was 18. I, I hope to say I grew out of that, but that's up for debate. It's very up for debate. Okay, so you met your future husband. Things are going well. Um, was it was it all like sunshine and rainbows, or have you guys had? Um, oh no! Oh or, hell no! Okay. Well, do you do you want to talk about it? Like, because there's been Definitely. a lot of things that you guys or you two have gone through that you've overcome. Oh, yeah. Um, and I know for a lot of my listeners, like there's a lot of them that are in relationships um, that have gone through the same thing. So, or are currently going through it. So like, what, what have you two been able to overcome together? Well, okay. For the, for a lot of our relationship, the beginning part, we were literally off and on, like we break up over the dumbest things and then get back together. And for the longest time, we we had a hard time doing the deep conversations, like deep, like to your soul kind of conversations. We were the ones on the surface type of conversations, like, hey, how's your day? Not, and that was about it, kind of how this was doing. But once we, we started breaking through those walls, and we were good, and then I graduate high school, I move in with him, real world issues back in the day. We're trying to balance school and jobs and trying to figure out how to live together when we've never lived together and all of that. And then you add in drinking because he's at this point, he's between the ages of 25 and 30. So he's still trying to figure out when to stop being such a party guy to being a more family-oriented guy kind of thing. So, and that was rough because we were, his coping mechanisms is drinking to deal with the stress of work and school and that kind of stuff. And we just were not working very well. So we break up and I'd leave. Two days later I'd come back and we did this a couple times. But the big one was I'm gonna say probably October of two thousand eleven. No. Yes, two thousand eleven. And I had had enough of his crap. And I moved back in with my mom. Because I had had enough. Like, we had broke up from October 2011 and got back together February 
And in that time frame, I did a little hoeing around, and he grew up a lot from me not being there. That was our first major life-changing thing that we had to go through, getting back together. And then after we got back together, we literally went from hitting play to fast forward really quickly because we got back together. He proposed to me. We were planning a wedding, and then three weeks, four weeks later, we discovered that we were pregnant with our first kid. And we thought the world had come to an end. No, I get that. I get that. We were not ready for that, but. No, yeah, I get that. That first kid, you're like, oh shit. You know, like, not only, like, you guys have just kind of got back, got kind of got back together. You're you're planning a wedding, and then boom, you get hit with that gigantic fucking, like, crater. (laughs) Yep. Managed to work through it, and we got married. And then, well, okay, before we got married, another major thing was my husband or husband B at the time. A week, maybe two before our wedding, broke his ankle. So we go to the doctor. We get him in a boot and get all of that. He's like, okay, in a couple of weeks, come back and we'll do another x-ray to see how it all is. Okay, that's fine. We go through our wedding because it's we have no choice. We can't back out and wait till he heals. So this is a funny sight at our wedding because I'm like six months pregnant and he's on crutches. <laughs> Great time. And it's hotter than Satan's balls. <laughs> it was. So that was a whole our wedding day was great. <laughs> At the end it was all good. It was all good. We get everything fine. And then after we're married and broke and we're dealing with all of his broken stuff, he's had to have surgery a couple of times put a screw and plates into his ankle to help heal, and then it gets infected, so then he's out. All of it, the first year of our marriage was, I swear, the stressful time of our life. Between getting married, having our son, having him basically get laid off of his job, find a new job, move, that's a lot on first year of marriage. Yeah, that is, that's a, that's a, it's a lot more than you really want. Yes. But, and then you overcame we, that. We overcame that, and then, we've, we, we've had our typical ups and downs, arguments, and fights, and stuff like that, all through the years, which is fine, everybody has those, but, we, oh, have, we're fast forwarding till 2000, 
17. We are in our what, third or fourth time moving. We've been we've been in this house for a while, but it's come to the time where he and I are like roommates, pretty much. That we we're roommates. We're who occasionally hook up, I guess. And thus is the time period where I I'm just looking for attention from whoever will give me attention because it's crazy. Uh, and we're back. Okay. Yes, I'm looking for attention from whoever will give me attention. So I start talking to some guys that I know that have always had a crush on me, and I'm just Facebook messaging them, Snapchatting, all nine yards. Well, I decided to actually go meet up with one of these guys because I'm I'm lonely. I I am stay at home mom at this point with three kids. My husband would rather play on the video, play video games and hang out with the kids, which I'd rather him hang out with the kids, but at some point in there, I need attention from him too. Like, we, we've at this point had lost our spark. We were just going day to day like roommates. But yes, I go and I start hanging out with this guy that I know. And we start, but I I'm going to call fake feelings because they weren't really real. It was more because he was giving me the attention that I wasn't getting from my husband. We, we meet up a couple times. We hang out. Well, then this one time, we hang out and things go way too fast. That And things are done that should not have been done. And then I go back, and my husband and I have an argument. And I, at this point, I don't tell him what I had just done because we're in a place where we can't really have a huge argument about it. Because there's other people that would be there that would take sides, or it would just be bad. So I bury this until right around uh, just before Thanksgiving. So it's like between Halloween and Thanksgiving, somewhere in there. And my husband just gets back from a business trip. And I don't know what it was about that day, but I had to tell him. Like, my gut was telling me I needed to tell him what had happened. But before, before I actually did any of this, like, we, he, my husband and I had a conversation because I had wanted to get divorced. I had wrote him a letter of all of the reasons why. And that broke what the wall that was up between us. But I'm one of those people that, even
even after we've had the conversation, we're trying to do better, I'm still, like, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Or, I guess you could say self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. Sabotage, whatever, however you say that, is kind of what had happened with this other guy. And then once I had told my husband about it in November, he then started to open up even more. So do you think that by you doing all that and going through all that, um, would you say that even though your relationship's a little bit different, because nothing can ever really be the same. Uh, but would you say that by doing all that and going through all that, you yourself have become a different version of, of you? Yes. Is it a I... version that you like? No. That is the version of myself that honestly reminds of our father. I feel you on that. Because I, because he does that, or did that, he probably will never admit it, but he's, he's a man whore. And I feel like that's part of, part of his toxic traits that have been passed down. Like, I have fought doing that doing anything to hurt my significant other as much as possible. Like, I have tried to never do that. But by allowing myself to do it that one time... It's like you're going to consistently punish yourself for the rest of your life because you know that that's, you're capable of doing that. Yes. It's yeah. like, it honestly reminds me of a, a TV show that I watched and I'm not going to say the name of it, but it had a part in it where this person, and in this show, it's, they were able to pull out their hearts, which was weird, but anyway, they could see that this person's heart was usually, it's normal, a normal looking heart. It's red, it's a normal heart. But you can uh, over time, you could see that it had a spot of darkness in it. And it's one of those people that you would never assume would have any kind of darkness in them. And their world just kind of turns upside down. And that's how I feel half the time, is because growing up, I've always had, felt like I've always had some sort of darkness in me. I guess, is a way to put it. And most of the time, I've been able to keep it to a minimum. But doing what I had done in the past had just made it so much more darker. Like, it felt like it was taking over. And I have to keep reminding myself that it's not taking over. It's not going to get bigger. You haven't done anything wrong. You need to stop beating yourself up about it. But then there are days where I, with days that turn into 
weeks that turn into months that turn into years, but thankfully I haven't gotten to the years part. Might have been more turning it days into weeks where I have to fight myself to fight the darkness to keep it back from overtaking my life. It is a process. I've learned that um, because with my first marriage, I, I did the exact same thing. And I mean, I went a little different with telling uh, my first wife that uh, what I did that moment. Um, and even though I was kind of kind of given that out years later, I've always kind of been that way, like where I've punished myself because I have always forced myself to always remember that moment, that time in my life where I let that happen and to where I would never let that happen again, to where it kind of overtakes you and puts you in different spots and uh, you get, that kind of thinking kind of gets in your own way. And you kind of just can't really um, think about um, the darkness because, yeah, it's going to be there. But as if you're if you keep looking back, you're never going to see what's actually truly in front of you, um, and that's the the happiness that you you can have yourself, um, your kids, your you know, like your husband, um, wife, whatever whatever the situation is. But uh, eventually, you you have to stop. I've learned you have to stop looking in the past um, and realize, yeah, that happened. But if it hadn't happened, what 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 could have happened? What what would have happened different? There could have been other things that that could have changed. Um, and then you play the whole guessing game, and it's just not worth it. Um, it's not worth it to you, and it's not worth it to your kids, and it's not worth it to uh, your significant other. So, um, so we're coming up on time, and sis, you're definitely gonna have to come back because. We are just scratching the surface. Oh yeah. So, um, while uh, one of the things that I like to do on the show, and as you know, um, is that I like to end the show with things that you appreciate. So, what is the what are the things that you appreciate the most about life? Family, especially my kids. For sure. My kids, my nephews, my nieces, my siblings, and definitely music. <laughs> okay. Um, considering what you've gone through uh, and the incredible like amount of endurance, emotional endurance that you have, um, if you were to say anything to people that like are going through the same thing as that you've went through even remotely similar to it um what would it be well for starters find the band that makes you want to scream when you're listening to it like you're singing their you're screaming their lyrics because they they touch your heart just find a band like that crank it up as loud as on your earbuds or your Bluetooth will let you without causing a huge disturbance. And then just 
bring out all of your anger and frustration and then cry. So again, let it all out because you can't keep that stuff in. And if you're able to find somebody, whether it's a pastor, a therapist, your best friend, your older siblings, your younger siblings, just find somebody you trust to talk to. Because keeping it in is not worth it. It'll eat you alive, and you have to let it out. I completely agree. Uh, I, th I honestly, yeah, I think if you, everybody needs that that one person, or like maybe it's just a group of people uh, that you can relate to that that will listen to you with like zero judgment. And I think that's the hardest part in this world is like everybody's always saying, "Oh yeah, if you really need, if, if you need to talk, like you can always come to me." But at, most of the time, those people are gonna have like preconceived notions um and really don't understand the concept sometimes people don't need advice people just need to be heard and that's yeah. it's kind of like what this show's always been about is the uh the ability to give give people the the ability to be heard so thank you for coming on the show i really do uh appreciate you you doing this because i know some of this was a little bit difficult for you to bring up um but I uh, want to thank you for coming on and work working through the uh, the technical difficulties. Um, but uh, sis, I love you very much, and uh, I will get a hold of you about uh, a return date. Perfect. All right. Thanks for having me, and yeah, this was really good. Uh. <laughs> All right, sis. So that was my sister Cassie. Um, obviously, there's so much more that me and her could get into, um, but yeah. So that's you know that's a little bit of, of my family. Um, for those of you that don't know me very uh, very well, uh, that they who explain the whole situation of my uh, of us not even knowing each other, but there's so much similarities between the two of us. Um, but, you know, I'm glad she came on. It was very difficult for me to hear some of this stuff because, you know, like, you know, regardless of the fact that majority of our lives, we were never around each other um, or even knew about each other. Uh, that's still family and it's still very, it hurts a lot because you don't like to know that your family is suffering. Um, and I am a sh I am a shit brother because um, for a lot for all of my sisters, I don't really check in on them uh, on any of them very much. I don't really talk to uh, I don't really talk to my family uh, my siblings that much uh, like here and there. Um, go days like where like we'll chat back and forth. I've done business with my sister, um, Becky, uh, we, when we partnered up for the Be The Light shirts, uh, we're, uh, 
we're going to be getting together again uh, to come up with uh, new ideas for uh, some products to be sold. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like I said, I, like many times, I'm super proud of all my sisters. I love all my sisters. Uh, I want to thank Cassie for coming on my on the show. Uh, it was very amazing for her to be brave enough to talk about the things that is, that's gone on in her life, the things that she's unfortunately done that she's not proud of, and the things that she absolutely loves and adores. Uh, my nieces, or my niece, and my nephews. Um, I, I I love my sister. I love I love all of them. So I'm very fortunate to to have her want to come on the show and be supportive. Um, so yeah, I mean, guys, uh, this this like, I know the election is coming up, and I know what this means to the world. Um, like I said before, I don't care if you're, uh, what end of the political spectrum you're on. Um, at the end of the day, guys, we're still human beings. We need to act like it. How you treat your fellow man and or woman is reflectant on you, your your character, not a political party, not not your president, not who you want to be president. Personally, I still say Jesse Ventura would have made a great fucking president. That's why for like the first several times that I voted, I wrote that man in. But anyway, this isn't about politics. This is about the fight for the human soul. And for the most part, there's been so many cases where you guys have disappointed me. People in this world have disappointed me with how they've acted. We're better than that. Every single one of us. Never lose hope, guys. This is what I'm saying. We we need to check in with each other, not check out on each other. This week's movie quote of the week comes from Shrek. After a while, you learn to ignore the names people call you. You just trust who you are. Doesn't matter what the noise says. What the people call you. None of that matters. You look in the mirror. You know, you see, you are who you see, who you think you are. Make that person great. Believe in that person. You believe in that person like I believe in that person. The person listening to this episode the person that is down, the person that is down on themselves, the person that just doesn't doesn't hear anything but that noise. 
hear me now. You are amazing. You got this. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for listening to the show. I appreciate every single one of you. And I thank you. This has been In Your Head with Shannon Sanford. I am Lord Shannon Sanford. And as always, I appreciate you. <laughs>